0: Hey guys, and welcome back to the SkullCast for episode 15. I have the admins here as usual, no guests this time. But this is the first time since episode 2, which was back in February, that we had a new episode. This is a long time coming, and it's really great to have Berserk back. And for those that don't know, we'll be back again in two weeks for the next episode. 329 is scheduled to come out in the next issue of Young Animal for June 22nd. So it's awesome to be back on track. Uh, I I even kind of like hopefully presume that the next one will be in the next episode issue of young animals. So we'll see if we're on a roll or not yet. So for those that haven't seen the episode yet, you might want to turn it off because a lot of this is going to be focused on episode 328. But for those that have seen it, as you know, it's a flashback episode talking about or dealing with guts past. And I think we can say definitively at this point, it is between uh, Gambino, and before he meets the Hawks and fights Bazuzo, all that stuff. So that's pretty much a given at this point, right? Yep. Yeah, pretty obvious. So one, well, the one thing I wanted to highlight about this episode was, like, you know, for me being a big Gambino fan, you know, not knowing for sure if it was going to... I, I thought maybe a three-part arc about Guts Past would eventually have, like, a, a panel or two about Gambino, but to be given this, like, flashback within a flashback... Uh, episode <coughs> which, you know, highly features Gambino in it. I mean honestly, the whole episode was a treat to me like it I feel like I was still in a zeal. I felt like fan service for me being such a big Gambino fan and having that much coverage of him and seeing a different you know not i not, not, a, not a, i was gonna say a different facet of his personality, but it's not it's just the same campino you know, he's acting within character in what he does with guts but it's it's just it's really cool to see him in the episode and he gives a little like philosophy about battle, uh, and of course, all of the panels featuring him are like heroically or bastardly drawn. So I was uh, I was very happy with that. What did you guys take away from this episode?
1: Well, a lot. I mean, it's uh, like you said, it's uh, it's so cool. It's almost yeah, it's almost like a, a, a trait for the fans. I, I think uh, it's significant in that. Well, like I said in the thread, it's a uh, guts reflecting on his past. He's a narrator here. So I can surmise from that that he's uh, unconscious and reflecting on these particular events will, to me, definitely have a meaning, you know, when they get to Alpha, which I think won't be long now. And so it's like, it's a reflection on the past before moving on, you know, a big time into the future, you know, like, because I think Alfem will, you know, change things in a big way for Guts and his friends, you know, the return of Cascano, and all. And yeah, this episode is, is quite interesting. Uh, in the fact, Mura, you know, specifically talked about elves and why Guts dislikes them or mm-hmm. is annoyed by them. But it also shows, you know, the episode itself is not really focused on the elf. It's focused on Guts, the lessons he takes from life and his state of mind at the time. The fact he's very, you know, depressed and basically he doesn't really have any reason to leave anymore. And it shows us how he kind of, you know, gets back into that mentality he has of just, you know, never letting go, keep going up, keep going on, that Mm. kind of stuff. So I find it very interesting. And of course, the character of Martino, which is introduced just to, you know, trick him, sort of giving advice and tricking him is also very interesting boss in terms of design his face and uh also for
2: what it does. yeah well that that pretty much covered everything I was gonna say <laughs> but yeah let me uh <laughs> jump in with uh martino uh what you said about his face is interesting because I was gonna mention that too is like I you know there's been uh I think there's been like some faces like his in the series but never like with the he made very unique expressions mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. I thought was interesting about him like it was sort of very I mean, I just thought he was very interesting very animated yeah. a lot of the time, especially his final uh, little scene when he pulls his hand out and, you know, he's going to escape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just sort of, it's neat because it's like sort of a, I don't know a tr- what a tricky adult would look like to a child. <laughs> so, I mean. <laughs> it's, it's, ex-
0: it's, it's ex- expressive. It's expressive. Yeah. All, all the, the expressions he make are effective in conveying what they're supposed to be conveying.
2: <laughs> yeah. Even his little uh, goodbye at the end, which you know, oh, yeah. he did trick Guts, but it's like I don't think you know, I don't think he's a bad guy necessarily, right? But uh, you know, Just, so it's sort of yeah, it's another sort of like gray, gray character in Guts' life. Yeah. I think
0: actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm you know looking for the episode again. I think he may have thought maybe Guts may escape, because he gave yeah. him a chance. He gave Guts an opportunity to escape, and obviously what happens is he, he clutches his wound, Guts does, and realizes he can't outrun them, and he, I'm assuming he slows down at one point, and that's how they end up shooting him.
1: Well, yeah, I, I, I still see, I mean, yeah, sure, but he knew Guts would distract the gods, so... Oh, sure, yeah. that was,
0: the function I mean, was a distraction, but, I mean, he, he gave Guts the chance. It wasn't like he threw him into the lion's den, he just gave them, yeah, know, of one course, to create I, a diversion...
1: And I agree with what Griff said, is that the guy is not, you know, he's, he's not pure or bad or anything. But, yeah, it's like everybody for his own. So, yeah, he gave him a chance, but he still used him. And that, yeah. that's, that's why Guts reflects back on what Gambino told him and says that, yeah, Gambino was right. On the battlefield, like, it's everyone for himself. Don't trust any, anything except your arms and your head. Not yeah. even your own father, you know. It's it's
0: not was good advice, it turned out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was really interesting to see guts in this particular state because we're so used we're so conditioned to guts being able to basically get through anything by sheer force of will and strength and here he's just up against the wall the whole episode you know he's being whipped he's wounded tries to escape gets caught you know he's just getting beat down and he gets tricked by this guy this is this is a series yeah. of, of setbacks for a character who's otherwise been very able to overcome odds yeah who's been able to overcome whatever odds are in front of him and here he's just he can't he can't make you know any escape attempt basically so
2: yeah physically and mentally he's like yeah this is about as low as you can see him it's it's sad for guts when the standard of like his triumph is like eating a rat (laughs) you know it's like yeah yeah, that's him overcoming this is like well damn that's (laughs) that lowers the standards a bit for him here but yeah it's interesting to see him that way and it makes me you know think if uh this is sort of born out of his uh, his moment, you know, where he was sort of considering his death mm. a little bit in uh, the Sea God mm-hmm. before he got out of there. Yeah, yeah. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I I think it's uh yeah. I think the, the both are tied. I mean, maybe not very strongly, but yeah, I, I think it's uh you know, there's one thing where at the beginning Gus is thinking like, yeah, what's the use of going on, you know. I just die here and it's uh, yeah I, I think it's very close to what he thought when he was in the Seagod. like am I going to die here And whereas in this episode he's like yeah why not why not die here What's, what, what does it matter
0: yeah I, I think in some ways he was in a good <laughs> he's sort of being conditioned to need other people and I wonder what the how the episode series will end where his perspective will be or if it'll be changed because in this episode you know in one way, he, he doesn't want to rely on this guy. And when he finally trusts this guy, he ends up being backstabbed by him. But I, I think it's really showing that a single person can't do a lot, you know? I mean, Martin he had to use guts to escape. He couldn't have done it yeah. himself, you know? Gambino used other soldiers to make way for – what is he – in the battle, how does he actually use the soldiers? Because he makes them run forward to draw arrow fire and then he shoots cannons at them. Well, why couldn't the cannons have just shot anyway? I guess because, the, boy, yeah, the, the, the position?
1: the, the archers were, uh, you know, hidden. Right. So it, was, it was an ambush. So, okay. you know, he, he told the rookies, like, yeah, you know, there's a reward or whatever. So, the guys rushed. They got pelted by arrows. Then they shot the cannons at where the archers were hidden. So, you know, it, it was a neat trick. That's why, actually, I love, I love that panel where you see... You know Gambino smirking, and all mm-hmm. the other guys are like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's right it's before crazy. They get, cool.
0: Right before they all get shot, they're yeah. Like, yeah. You guys are fucked, <laughs> including uh Guts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, in translating it, um, he tells Guts as his panel right before he has this like low camera angle shot up. Right before that. He tells Guts, like, oh, you survived. Like, oh, what do you know? <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> you made it.
2: <laughs> yeah, he might have been, you know, like, over on the say, Damn it.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, but, uh, yeah, it is interesting. Like, yeah, like he tells him, don't even trust your own father in this case. Right. Right. And it's interesting the, the sort of juxtaposition with, I mean, it's also where Guts is physically on the ground. Where Gambino is still, like, in Guts' mind and in the panel's. You know, this heroic figure, you know, you've got this lower, you know, like sort yeah. of angle on him where he looks yeah. very sort of, you know, heroic and like, you know, obviously still, you know, guts like idle mm-hmm. and giving this advice, even, even though the close ups on his face, it's like interesting because it's like he's heroic, but also, uh, I don't know if this is intentional. You can still see he's a little twisted looking like, mm-hmm. I mean, in his eyes and things, especially on the next, uh, the next page from that real heroic shot.
0: I mean, I, I don't know. know if that's intentional, but... I, I, think, I think we may be reading into that, because we know how he ultimately turns out. He looks just like a, you know, a rogue warrior to me, just kind of like a tough guy, basically.
1: Yeah, well, to, to me, I, I think... I, I don't see the twisted part, but I, I agree that it, he's drawn heroically, and I think that's on purpose, because at this point, to Guts, he's still everything. I, he's his father, he's, you know, he's... Yeah, like you said, he's idol, so I think at this point, Gus still sees Gambino as some kind of heroic figure that, uh, and you know, he failed when you know he had to kill him. So yeah.
2: Well, yeah. I, well, the interesting thing about that, I guess, in the long term, is that is he ever like really renounced Gambino? I mean, it's still like he left it, you know, sort of as his fault. You know, it was Guts' fault. Yeah. He's never sort of, you know, come to the, I feel like, ultimate conclusion. Like, wow, I really had a bad, you know, I had bad luck, you know, drawing this guy. He was a real bastard sort of a thing. Yeah, that's a good good question. And I I don't think uh,
1: Gus ever, I mean, we're never shown what happened. We know that, uh, you know, thanks to Casca, he could overcome a lot of these, you know, this baggage from this past. But we're never shown. And I think we might you know, by the end of this little, you know, yeah. a part A, I think we might get some closure for that, which is very interesting. I, w- I was telling people earlier that it's very rare in uh, in stories like that, even in books, you know, that the author comes back so long afterwards to, you know, an early part of the story. So it's both surprising, but at the same time, it's very exhilarating for me. I mean, it's, it's in- incredibly interesting. I-, I can't wait to see the rest. It's very, I mean... We might get some cruiser Gambino and more information and all that other that stuff. You know, at first I was I mean, I was a bit perplexed about what we were going to be shown. But mm-hmm. now I'm definitely extremely interested in, in the footage. I mean it's it's, it's incredible to me.
2: Well, yeah, because what you say is interesting because that's what I was uh, thinking too. Like they've got him in here, you know, he's still, you know, guts obviously like you know, he's still giving him advice and guts is looking up to him. And yeah. as you mentioned how he's narrating this, I wonder if by the end he's going to, you know, have some more like trips down memory lane within this with Gambino where he won't by the end he won't look so good anymore in gut size and maybe yeah, like agree. as the narrator he'll be like, yeah, you know, that guy, you know, I, you know, there's a reason my life has been, you know, so screwy and a lot of it is probably like what I actually learned from Gambino and what he did to me. <laughs> <laughs> rather than, you know, actually helping me survive. Because it's interesting, because Gambino, I feel like, if Guts met him as an adult, just as, like, you know, another guy, another mercenary guy, I mean, I think Guts would probably just, like, basically punch him in the face or, or kill him, like, without much thought. I mean, he wouldn't, I don't think he'd think much of him, like, objectively as he is now.
0: Well, sure, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. agree.
1: But I don't think it was going to be so clear-cut, like, you know, reflecting back on him. I, I don't think he's going to say, well... You know, now that I think of it, he was a fucker. Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, I
2: don't think it'll be, like, overt like that, but, I mean, it'll yeah. just, maybe it'll sort of subtly yeah. come to, You know, he'll just be in... He'll be in a bad light. Like, Yeah, by
1: the- yeah it's possible. One other thing uh, is... Uh, maybe, you know, by the end of this little flashback, we'll see Guts at the time, you know, coming to a conclusion like, yeah, it's better off being alone or something like oh, that. Yeah. And maybe, the, as a narrator, the current Guts will say, oh... How wrong was I at the time? Now I've got real friends. You know, it could be a reflection on yeah, his state of mind in the past, even before he met the band of the Falcon and his current state of mind where he was after all, even though I've been betrayed so many times, including by Griffiths. I found people I can rely on. Right. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean I also think they also have to address – like you said, the way it opened is to die in a place like this, which of course is a repeating of the line that he says in the Sea God. I I think they also have to address like the the function of – the purpose of life, the purpose of surviving on. I think they have to have some kind of high note to end it on to close that chapter, the way it opened up. you know. yeah.
1: it was advertised as being, you know, warm, like I said. Of course, again, it's just, you know, what they said in the advertisement, so it could be, you know, I mean, not very accurate or meaning- meaningful. But, yeah, I-, I think it's going to have yeah, some kind of uh, a reflection on friendship and what Martino said and even Gus' flashback about Gambino, you know, talking about uh, making friends of the battlefield and such. I, I think there's some kind of physio- philosophical reflection uh, here, so... Yeah, I think it will deliver that front eventually.
0: Mm.
1: It already has, in a way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Of course, we haven't really addressed, and there's not much to say about the the elf we end up seeing uh, in the the final page. But uh, yeah, there's a couple peculiar things about it. A, we don't see any wings. B, we don't see pointed ears. Do you think it's going to be a traditional elf? Like the one we've seen in the past. I mean, we've I've never seen an elf again with rounded ears like this. I'm wondering if it might be a different species of elf we haven't seen yet.
2: Well, yeah, I said jokingly that it hadn't gone through puberty yet. but, mm. You know, I don't know if it it's anything be. like that.
0: I, I don't you, honestly, I don't think elves no. have any. Have yeah, age do they have like age that, or, or, or gestation like like Yeah, that. I mean, we we don't know, but we've never seen an elf with a different age or anything
1: that, that being said we've seen uh on some panels we've seen some elves which looked i mean younger of course they all look young but mm. i remember some looking pretty young like okay. almost like almost like toddlers you know but yeah i mean maybe they're born like that and still like that forever it's possible i also think it's very possible it's a different type of elves you know mm, like yeah. the piskies are the you know elves associated with the you know element of wind Air, and maybe that one is associated with flowers or plants or you know earth. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, yeah. It's really hard to say. But since again, since they are just about to get into Elf film, I think uh yeah, it's it's not a bad time to develop a bit, you know, the uh, mythos of the elves and you know shows that there's more than one type and such. I
0: mean, who knows? Mm-hmm. Even even her dress has like foliage type quality to it. Like yeah, leaf. yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, indeed, yeah. It looked of it really looks like leaves. So. And
0: she, she obviously took out the blossoms from that plant and put it in her hair. So, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I wonder. And also, of course, why is a uh, an elf like this hanging out in a prison cell? And what's the circumstance for her being there?
2: Well, yeah, well, well elves show up in the strangest places. But it does, it does remind you of Puck. Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah, when Guts was in prison before. Well. Puck
1: is kind of a special case, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, because they already I mean, were—they already knew each other. Yeah, he'd, he he had been captured in the tavern. I mean, yeah, It's yeah. just Puck, you know, always, you know, getting into trouble. But yeah, it's a—it's a curious situation. I'm very curious about it, about what's going to happen and how they met, and you know, if they're going to have a falling out of some kind or not. Actually, what I think would be interesting for is for the, the elf to somewhat. You know, give Gus a different kind of advice, you know, mm. compared to what Gambino may have given him and such, and Gus to you know dismiss it as being too idealistic or such. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so some really cool stuff could, could happen. So I don't know. We'll see.
0: Well, you know, as far as Gus's life is concerned, the, from this point until uh, when we see him in Volume One, uh, we can presume he didn't see many or any elves between that time. He ends up with the conclusion that he thinks elves are weak. Like, yeah, I don't like them because they're weak. So somehow he developed that opinion. So I'm assuming from this episode series, that's how he's going to develop that opinion.
2: Yeah. And I don't, I don't know, it makes me... Like, it's supposed to be, like, as I think you said, that it's supposed to be sort of uh, sort of light, like this whole thing. Like, it's yeah. not supposed to be super, super dark. But I don't know, Berserk's, like, standard of what's dark is pretty, yeah. pretty, do- it's pretty dark. So... You know, it's like the things that come to mind is like maybe he would befriend this elf, or it would give him this, you know, sort of like you know, look on the bright side of life and make friends thing, and then something maybe bad would happen to it as a result of you know being like so trusting and so nice, and he, you know, maybe he'd come away from that thinking, you know, like well, that was you know, crap.
0: Maybe no, he maybe he rolls over it and asleep and something <laughs> splat. You know, oh. all these things are so weak. My yeah. <laughs> like clothes are ruined. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think it could also be you know
1: i mean i I think it would be cool if like that he befriended the elf in a way and but eventually the elf just went away and left him, yeah, and he was like, yeah, okay I, I've been abandoned again yeah. and such it would be a nice parallel to the fact puck just you know wouldn't leave him alone and actually. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's, you know, just stuck by him until he was accepted. So I I think it would be a nice parallel, but of course it could go very differently.
2: Yeah, there are, like, many degrees of, like, where it could go. It could be, like, as simple as, yeah, like you said, it could just have to leave at the end and he feel, you know, he, like, was friends with it and he feels bad that it's gone. Because maybe it becomes something he holds on to. Or, you know, it could just be a, a situation where, like, he can't help the elf or the elf can't help him. And they got separated that way, and it's you know without the elf getting smashed or something. Yeah, so he but he's either way he's left with sort of a you know bad feelings.
0: Before before we ended talking, I wanted to underline the fact that in the in the full scope of the series, you know, I never really expected to go back to Guts Pass. I never expected to be given given this glimpse again. So it was it's, it's a welcome treat to have this and oh yeah i, I completely unexpected to get this you know in volume nine they go back to his past very briefly just in images you know and that's the most we get uh apart from you know, the, the the formal golden age flashback guts and all that stuff so this is awesome to get this
2: yeah well, i pretty- wanted to comment on one more thing go for it we move on. Uh, with the the sort of white hawk imagery that got worked in here and uh, do you have any idea what martino is saying there is it, like, oh, yeah. similar to what the prisoners were saying, you know, in volume, I think it's 22
1: or? Like I said in the thread, um, you know, he's not, he's not talking directly about the Band of the Falcon, but he's yeah. telling him that uh, he will, you know, make friends on the battlefield and such, meet people, and, you know, you know, uh. get some camaraderie and such. So it's a, what to say, it's some kind of hint. As what is to come, like you know, he's talking about you know that stuff, and the Falcon is meant to symbolize that guts will eventually find, you know, uh, friends and you know comrades, you know, on the battlefield, which is, you know, four years
2: later as
1: it is. So, but yeah, it's it's some kind of a prelude, like you know, it hints at what is to come.
2: Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty good symbol, but also a bad one, too,
1: uh, yeah. ultimately. Yeah, and it's, it's actually nice how it is done. Like, you know, the sky is black and the falcon is white. There's a yeah. lot of symbolism it's very, there. It's very
2: similar to, like the, the is the, like, the Revelations imagery and everything. Yeah, what do you guys think of that? Like, the, the fact that, you know, Mira chose to, like, do that sort of callback to represent this.
0: Uh, I, I don't think it's honestly I, I don't have a translation but I, I don't I really don't think it's that direct I don't think that falcon is necessarily supposed to represent what we think it represents I think I think he's just talking about like really really abstractly about the battlefield and, yeah. and, and how you'll encounter different people and even the, the next pan the next page after that is is a castle town on a hill he's talking about like uh like the I, I think I don't have translation but I think he's talking about the unachievable like
1: yeah, but uh, mm-hmm. the falcon is a I mean it's a reference to the pen of the Falcon. I mean I'm pretty sure of it. Even though he doesn't speak directly about it. Yeah. Yeah, it I took, you know, I mean I'm, I'm quite sure that it, you know, represents the fact Gus eventually meets these people and you know makes makes friends, you know.
2: Well, yeah, and I mean it's hard for me to separate like that image of like, you know, a white falcon on black like that from, you know, the white hawk and, or the white falcon. And, you know, Griffith directly and all that. And even what you said about the castle and it being, you know, unachievable and sort of how all those themes, you know, will tie in later. Like, mm-hmm. so, I mean, I, I see what you mean. I mean, it's it's general things and it's just, you know, he'll have friends and all that. But I also think it's sort of, you know, directly playing and tying it into, like, you know, the
0: main story in a sense,
2: mm. too.
0: Well, I think before we get – I think before we even launch into this conversation, we should probably talk about the context around which – they have this talk. It's like, Guts, Okay. It, sure, what happens is um, Guts falls down, or Martino notices a wound on Guts' arm, and Guts tells him, don't touch me, you know, yeah. pulls away. And then he faints, and Martino pulls him back up, and Guts kind of, like, you know, tries to start it up again, and he tells him, like, don't put on airs, you know. But then they start talking about, I think what launches into the conversation about having friends is, he sees guts as someone who's pushing everyone away. He might say that you you need friends on a battlefield or something like that because he knows yeah. guts. Obviously, if he has wounds, I'm assuming he knows he's a warrior or a fighter. Well, Martino doesn't necessarily strike me as that kind of person. Yeah. Um, so he might just be a villager. But point being, you know, I, I think the whole talk is about if you're going to be on the battlefield, you need people around you. You know, you can't just be the lone wolf. But I don't know. Again, no translation.
2: Yeah. What's also interesting is how Martino uh, takes that whipping form. Yeah, At least yeah. that's how I interpret it. So, Yeah,
0: well, he gets hit and he tells the guard, I stopped because the boy is fainted or something like that. And then the guard relents. Yeah, But, uh, yeah, at, at that point, he kind of endears himself to Guts inadvertently. Yeah. At that point, Guts sort of trusts, begins to trust him and then he, of course, has that little speech.
2: It's interesting just that what that says about Guts, too, is, I don't know, it's like... Oh, yeah. That's when, uh, yeah, that's when Guts, you know, trust him. And it's sort of when the guy, you know, you sort of have to take a hit for you have to shed blood for him, Mm -hmm. you know, in a sense. And then he'll be your friend, even, you know, for better or worse. Like, obviously, he, you know, he shouldn't be so trusting so quickly, even in situations like that.
0: Well, do do you know what went through my head during this scene in particular was it's sort of like this kind of trick that adult Guts wouldn't have fallen for. If, if yeah. this guy let him through, he would have thought, well, what's in it for you if I escape? You know, he would have thought, he would have thought something like that. He wouldn't have trusted him immediately. Whereas yeah. someone like Asidro probably would have immediately said, great, you know, like you see the, the development across the ages for Guts. Well, yeah. You know what's funny
2: about Isidro is that he would also trick someone like this. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: that's sort of, it's sort of, like, you just made me think of a difference between
2: him and Guts, like, at this yeah. age, Because, like, yeah, Isidro would, he would, like, I don't know that he, he, he would fall for it, or he might not, but he would also do it to someone else. Whereas Guts, like, Guts is more straightforward. He's smart, yeah. but he, like, he's just not that kind of, uh... He's person.
0: more earnest. He, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean I almost always think when I see guts in a, a youthful experience, I try to think of like what Isidro might have done. Obviously they're not direct parallels, but I, yeah. I see the, a seed of guts in Isidro now, and so I always try to compare the two whenever I can. It would
2: be interesting if we see, you because know, yeah, I I I always look at them that way too. And it would be interesting to see Isidro when he uh if if we see him grow up, if he'll just like if he'll, you know, look anything sort of like guts or yeah. if it'll look like martino or something you know it's just one of those things where it's like parallels as kids but it's like not mm-hmm. too many little boys grow up to to look like guts yeah. so that would be just an interesting thing a little off topic though
0: the other thing was on this episode it's not it's not too long but in this span of pages guts gets like life philosophies from two adults it's very dense <laughs> you know and another thing during the transcription, I noticed both Martino and Gambino. they give these long kind of monologues and in each monologue there's repeated phrases like if you even you can you can tell it just by looking at the wording there's yeah. like two or three repeated lines in it it's almost like a poem or a like a uh, poetry and I'm not sure if that's gonna translate well well,
1: yeah, Go ahead. you know it's uh stuff you know guts you know things he's like. I don't know who'd say common knowledge, you know, the kind of stuff people say that anybody can say. Like sayings. common sense,
2: like sayings.
1: Yeah, but my point is, you know, that's not who, sorry, that's not who it's phrased. It's more like, yeah, this kind of stuff, everybody can say so. So okay. he's like, yeah, you know, it's a bit uh, perjorative way um, to look at it, you know, like, yeah, it's not very valuable. <laughs> talk.
2: So that's uh, on reflection, that's what he's thinking? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so he's like basically these guys gave me a bunch of Pablum, you know, <laughs> while they were while they were betraying me.
0: And Guts is in a pretty dark state when the episode ends. I hope yeah. things cheer up for him. That's yeah. all I really it, have to say about that. It,
1: you know, there's there's one panel I really like, which is on mm-hmm. page uh, twenty two, when he's uh under the Hey, you know. Yeah. It looks he looks very much like like the old, you know, drawing style of Mura in that panel to me. Yeah. I, I actually like it a lot. It's almost nostalgic feeling.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask you guys if you felt the same way. I posted in the thread that I felt some of the shading techniques you used and the hatching were uh, evoked older style art to me. Was that just me? Am I overblowing that or what? No, I don't think you're. I mean, I see it.
2: Like, I mean, it's, it's an interesting sort of mix of new and old school. Like, uh, to me, like Gambino. Mm-hmm. He looks very like in some of the shots he looks very sort of modern mm-hmm. you know in the modern style, and like in that last one, I guess I was talking about the one where I thought he looked a little uh like the big close up on his face where I thought he looked you know i could see a little bit of like a little bit of that good old like mirror medieval like style ugliness <laughs> like mm-hmm. that you have in faces like I thought that looked very old school and uh and also yeah the the basically the last few pages. Yeah. It really, that really comes across, like the bars, even mm-hmm. you know something simple like that. I mean, it might not look like the early volumes, but it reminded me of sort of like the thick line drawings and style of like volumes like sixteen, sure things
0: like that. And I, I just wonder if that's like actually what's happening on the page, or if I'm reading that into it based on my you know if I see Inger yeah, guts, I'm immediately thinking of like, younger
2: style. Yeah. you see it because that's what you're used to seeing with you exactly. know young guts. And, well, I don't know, especially on page twenty-one too, like the scene where he's eating the rat. Yeah. Like yeah. that big panel, like that looks very like old school to me.
0: Right. It's yeah. The composition yeah, of it, even.
1: Yeah, it does to me as well, but I'm not sure. Yeah, we might. I think we might be reading
2: a bit much into it, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. whereas other like shots, like the one where you can see like his breath coming out from under the hay. Yeah. yeah. Like that. That one looks very modern, like to me. Yeah. You know, so it's sort of an interesting mix. I don't know if it was intentional, or if he, or if you know, even Mira in drawing it, sort of like inadvertently, <laughs> <laughs> it was like going back, you know, to how we yeah. used to draw this character that way.
0: Yeah. Anything else to say about three twenty? Oh, the title. Uh, you got that translated? I think you put it in the thread. But what is it again, Zeal? Do you know it offhand?
1: Uh, it's a uh, spring flower of days long past. Well, okay. at least that's how I worded it, but. Uh...
0: Do you think that's directly alluding to the flower we see at the end of the episode, or just talking about abstractly, or both?
1: Um, I think it might be both, but yeah, sure. it, it refers
2: to the flower, so... Mm. Well, yeah. It's also, like, even that flower itself is kind of, you know, interesting symbolism, because obviously he's freezing cold and it's snowing, but there's this yeah. flower sticking up there, so that's sort of, like, I guess representative of hope, and I guess with that, uh, yeah, the L... It's-
1: it's actually a good, you know, I mean, a good explanation for why the earth might be there because the flower can grow there and outside mm. it's just, you know, it's winter. So, yeah, it, oh, it might be explained. okay. There we go.
0: I like that. Well, we'll find out soon enough that the episode comes out pretty soon. I mean, we're used to waiting months and months and months and we only have to wait another week and a half. So, yep, that's yeah. Cool. Awesome. So, anything more to say about 328? Uh, no, not right now.
2: Uh, uh, not 328 per se, but maybe just, uh, you know, this one sort of laid the groundwork and, like, established, you know, sort of took us back to the past, you know, and got us in that frame of mind with Gambino and everything, but how do you guys see, like, directly, not necessarily how the whole thing will wrap up, but just the next episode, like, how it'll sort of get maybe into the nuts and bolts of, like, this particular story with the elf? Any thoughts on that, or should we just wait till next time?
1: Well... I think uh, the second episode is going to be mostly Guts and the Elf, you know, talking to each other and maybe hatching a escape plan or, or such. But I don't think there'll be I don't think there'll be much action into it. I think it's going to be very dialogue heavy, to me anyway.
0: Yeah, which honestly I'm excited for. Uh, you know, I always look forward to the more introspective episodes. you don't, we haven't gotten one for Guts in a long time. You know. Yeah. It's- it feels like a long time. It's also only in volume 32, I think. Well, 33, yeah. So, yep. it's been a while. It feels like it's been a while. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with Azeel. I, I, mean, I think the episode's going to start with Guts interacting with the elf in some way. And where it goes from there, I don't know. I mean, the, the actual thrust of this entire arc is still kind of a mystery to me. I think, obviously, by the end of next episode, we're going to see where it's going to go. But when you first asked the question, I was a little confused. I thought you meant, like, once this arc has ended up, where will we go next? You're not asking that, though. No, no. Okay, yeah.
2: I assume we're just going to go right back to, uh, yeah, the, the boat and, uh, or maybe, yeah, we'll just go back to, you know, where we were. Right.
1: It's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. either going to be Falconia or Alphalum anyway. So, yeah. And mm-hmm. in both cases, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: E3 ended uh, last week or just, yeah, it was this past week. Uh, But, you know, it's something I look forward to every year, even in the back of my mind, even though I know it's generally never that exciting. Like, I always keep waiting for the show that repeats, the 2006, which was the same year that Sony fell on its fucking face and Nintendo unveiled the Wii, which is a great show, a legendary (laughs) show. Yeah. you know but nothing nothing that noteworthy happened this time and i think we all kind of knew that though because with no new real hardware unveiled the the Wii U was technically unveiled last year so this year was more outlining its features and things and sony and microsoft still being tight-lipped about you know what they're going to show it wasn't a very revealing or like you know noteworthy show to be honest a, a couple software or games stood out but you know, nothing really genre-defining, in my opinion. I wasn't really impressed with any single game, really. I mean, we'll we'll talk about the titles a little bit, but a disappointment all around, both from the laugh side of it and the, you know, serious game side of it, so.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Nintendo had uh, the most to show, or at least they had the most potential, and they didn't deliver. Their conference was a bit, you know, clumsy, I would say, and not very interesting. Even though they, they could have had some good stuff to show, but they decided to to arrange it in a way that wasn't very interesting. So yeah, and Microsoft and Sony are keeping everything under wraps until right. they're ready to release a new hardware. So uh, yeah, I it, it was pretty boring. Uh, uh, nothing really excited me except for a few games, which uh, I guess we'll talk about later. But yeah, so the E3 event itself was you know lackluster, more so than any series I've ever followed, I think. It was really, you know, particularly boring.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's symptomatic of where the ind- industry is at right now, which is it's at the, the beginning of the transitional. Actually, it's not even at the beginning. It's right before the transitional phase begins where we can start talking about new hardware. And we start seeing what the next generation is going to look like. We're not there yet. You know, we're still on the ass end of this console cycle. <laughs> yeah. So.
2: It sounds like, you know, I didn't actually watch it, but it sounds like it wasn't even, you know, so bad it was good, you know, exactly. in that way. Yeah. <laughs> like it was just yeah. a
0: total snoozer where everyone Absolutely. sort of decided to take the year off. Even even in the years where everyone makes an embarrassment of themselves, at least that's entertaining and like laughable and it, it creates hilarious YouTube videos from it. You know, <laughs> this year it didn't even have any of hey, that. Hey,
2: remember like, that one?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's one of the best ones. <laughs> Giant yeah, I mean, enemy crab as uh, a couple people use the phrase like this was this this year was Nintendo's year to lose like it was their show to lose for them everything was on the table whereas other other conferences E3 and Sony they didn't have much to lose cuz they weren't unveiling new hardware and Nintendo they spread their stuff out across like three i think it actually ended up being four different shows yeah uh with a pre-show and they had their main show and they had a 3DS show it was, it was all over the place and ultimately they didn't even unveil this the software all the software they had on the table. There's another game by Platinum Games who made Bayonetta and uh, Vanquish, all, all some good titles. They didn't even bother showing it. It's an exclusive Wii title. And they're like, yeah, we'll just show it on the G4 or the Spike TV channel. Who cares? You know, like, really? And they, they unveiled Fire Emblem, like, later after the show. Like, oh, yeah, that's going to come to the U.S. Instead, what we're given is here's a port of that Batman game everyone played last year. Like, oh, fantastic. That's how you're going to start your, you know, Wii U lineup. And they showed Pikmin 3, sure. But then, like, finally, big games are coming to the Wii U at launch. Batman, which will be a year and a half old by the time it comes out. It's ridiculous.
1: Mm. Yeah. They are still trying too hard to, you know, like, appeal to third parties. And, like, oh, yeah, guys, come to our conference, come to our show, you know. I don't think anybody really wants to see this. You know, they're doing it for the industry, you know, guys and such. But uh, for the people like us, the consumers actually watching, it's it's just not interesting.
0: I think a lot of third-party companies are actually on the sidelines right now, seeing, waiting to see how the Wii U hits before they say we're all in. Whereas Ubisoft, yeah. being the odd one out, is saying, "Sure, we'll develop on the Wii U." And and, and part of me wonders if it's if that has to do with their. Um, well, the Ubisoft's tablet that fall, that fell on its face and died uh, i can't remember the name of it the u i think it was called
1: yeah yeah
0: i wonder if they had some like software lined up for that they even though that, yeah they can transition actually, directly into the wii U you know actually
1: i hadn't thought about it but it's a really good point is a- they did have some, you know, software. A lot of it planned, which uh, since it failed, they probably, you know, just kept it and couldn't use it. So, yeah, that's a pretty smart guess. Actually, I'm pretty sure they're going to recycle a lot of it. Uh, you know, their whole uh, zombie U and such. Uh, oh. you, you you bet your ass it's just recycled shit.
0: Yeah. How sure how to- how tone deaf do you need to be to release another zombie game three years after everyone got sick of zombie games? Yeah, I don't, well, I, don't I don't understand that. It's
1: Ubisoft, you know, they can do the best and the worst, and they often oh. do the worst.
0: <laughs> yeah, they 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 created a very awkward show for Reggie, like up there, like trying to speak with his French accent, and it was, it was oh, bad. Oh, yeah.
1: As I was, you know, <laughs> you know, the CEO of Ubisoft, Yves Guimard, I think he didn't yeah. take his cue to leave, so Reggie had to be That's like, yes. It. Thank you, Eve. Thank you, like, you know, get the fuck off the they stage. Just, like,
0: they, like, they had, like, a dead stare for, like, three seconds before anything changed, you know. Just yeah. And
1: moment. the guy was facing off in the wrong direction. <laughs> I, it, was, it was
0: embarrassing.
1: Oh, my so God. It so was,
2: it was so bad it was bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Most it was team. just
1: embarrassing. And they, they had, like you said, Walter, I think it was a, a prompter problem. But they, they all were stuttering, you know, delivering their lines. It was, uh, it was just awkward.
2: Do you guys think that Nintendo made, like, just a strategic mistake, like, in spreading everything out instead of trying to, like, make one really big show? Or did yes. they not have enough for that?
0: Yeah, They, they, they could have had a good show, but it's, Nintendo, they, whoever makes the top-level decisions is a complete fuck-up. I mean, there's so many things they could have done. Like, here's another thing. Uh, Satoru Iwata was in the crowd. He even, like, got on the mic at one point. This is Nintendo's president. Why wasn't he on the stage? Why, why was he just not a part of the show? Why was it the all Reggie show? That's an extremely strange move, particularly for a uh, hardware unveil. they never do that. They always have Iwata come up on the stage. It was ridiculous. Yeah, but he he was like a- literally
2: sitting it out. Yeah. What he does that a, say?
1: He has a preview video for himself, so maybe that's why. But yeah, it's, it's pretty weird.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, in a bad, it's in a bad message in my opinion. Like, whatever. But what do uh, you think? Oh, sorry. No, no, no. I was going to transition. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say. Uh, do you
2: think anyone like? Do you think Sony and Microsoft were sort of happy to you know sit this out and sort of you know I guess let Nintendo underwhelm, or do you think anyone else you know <laughs> sort of felt like you know they really could have owned the show, or do they care?
0: Like, you know, s- sadly, the the things I've been reading is that Ubisoft actually owned the show with um, Watchdogs. That was th- that, and Star <laughs> Wars Thirteen Thirteen were the ones that everyone took away talking about, and. Both of those titles are very likely next gen titles, which is why they impressed graphically, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, Microsoft and Sony. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think they compare and contrast their their shows before. Uh, I, as far as like st- uh, strategy in the industry, yeah, they probably try to balance themselves against the competition. But as far as the actual shows, Microsoft going first, Sony going second, and Nintendo third. I think they just kind of wanted to you know, go their own way and, and trying to ignore what the competition does just for the show, I mean.
2: Yeah, so, do, have, you know, do you think there there isn't necessarily, like, sort of an emphasis on sort of, like, we're going to own E3, you know, we're going to, everyone's going to be talking about us when
0: it's I'm over? Sure, I'm sure the people that were involved in those shows think each of them owned E3. I'm sure they walk away full of big-headedness and thinking <laughs> they did a great job, you know. But, yeah, I mean, what you the only thing you'll get from that is, like, Re, Reggie... Is the one that will generally throw another company under the bus and say something like, "We're not those other guys. Are we are all about the games." You know, he'll always have like some kind of retort <laughs> to what everyone else showed and what Nintendo does differently. He'll generally make this kind of like snide remarks, but the other <laughs> ones sort of exist in a vacuum most of the time. They don't do a lot of that, in, in my experience, anyway. But uh, Aziel, did you have, were you able to see Star Wars 1313? I didn't know if you saw a video of it or not.
1: No, I, I don't even
0: know. I don't even know what it is. Okay, so I wasn't that interested in it. when After I heard the title and read a little about it, I wasn't interested in it. But then I started hearing things about the graphics in it. And it's pretty freaking fantastic. You should look up like a 1080p video of it. Because I saw some low resolution footage of it and I wasn't that impressed with it. But if you see it at full res, it's Pretty, it's pretty impressive, and it's definitely running on next gen. Well, it was running on a PC on an, a modified UE3 engine. I'm watching but,
1: screen. Yeah, I'm looking at screenshots right now, and it does look yeah very good. Who, who is yeah. developing it?
0: LucasArts. This is a project they've been developing in the background for like four or five years. Like they, they, everyone always knew, LucasArts was doing something big. Aside from you know farming out you know Monkey Island from time to time. But yeah, this is, this is their big project they've been working on for apparently like three or four, four or five years. So it's set just before um, a new hope. So it's in that you know old, busted, dirty machine environment of Star Wars that you know we all actually like, not the shiny, gross yeah. Star Wars of the new trilogies. It's so not the blue,
2: not the blue screen
0: Star Wars. Uh, so that's reassuring, and it's set on Coruscant, which is a, you know that capital planet. Yeah, the level, the, it's level 1313, so the Coruscant has thousands of different la- layers this is layer 1313 that it's set on, but
1: well, it, that makes for an interesting, you know, premise
0: mm-hmm. yeah, the setting and the time in, in, in particular interests me uh, more than if it was just generic Star Wars, you know, they actually have like a time and a setting, and it's about bounty hunters in the Star Wars universe, which is of course you know, fan favorite, so oh yeah, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> it <laughs>
2: And they said I that. Want to be
0: Django Yeah, <laughs> one of the one of the things they set out is they they wanted to make clear in the show was that there's no force powers and there's no Jedi in this game. It's just, just about other stuff in the Star Wars universe. That's that's also refreshing to me. Yeah. What, what kind of game is it supposed to be? Is it like what third like, person? If, what they showed was third third person shooter, but they also yeah. they also tried to emphasize the fact that what you're seeing in this section of the game may not be representative of what the ultimate game will show. I, I imagine what you're seeing in the demo is like a tutorial mission type thing, and even the character you're controlling might not be who you end up playing as.
2: Oh, okay. Or but like is that. it? Uh, what I meant is, is it like? Does it seem like it's going to be a mission-based game, levels, sandbox
0: game? No, no. I, I, I it's to be. I'm sure it's gonna be mission-based. The way they, it's the the demo they show was very scripted. And what happens is you're on a ship, and your ship gets shot, and, and you're descending down, Coruscant's like elevator shaft. And then you jump off of your ship onto another ship and climb over it as it's exploding. So it's like wow. an unch- it's like a, the Uncharted type scenario, you know?
1: Yeah, it looks a bit uh, like, you know, it's inspired by Mass Effect and, you know, games like Dead Space as far as gameplay and, you know, storyline goes. Mm-hmm. From I, I what? Think, just think,
0: ju- just from what can, I'm seeing. I, I think it'll be thoroughly real. I think it's going to be on a rail, I, 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 I imagine, but it might be mission-based, I don't know. Mm. Well, interesting eyes away. So there's that, and Watch Dogs was the only games that really impressed me. I mean, Pikmin 3, great, but honestly, it's more of the same. And hey, I'm happy with that, but that's not going to impress me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Did that- they reveal uh, Dead Space 3? They did. Yeah. Yes. And it's co op. You get to play along with a guy who's screaming at you the whole time saying, Hey, Isaac, use this drill. Hey, this drill's coming right for us. Oh, no, look out. Great, you know. <laughs> Sounds uh, really scary. Yeah, doesn't that sound atmospheric? <laughs> yeah. The co-op partner yelling at you the whole time. Great. Uh, but uh, that, the, the one, the one refreshing thing about Dead Space Three was that they said they're changing the way those. Um, uh, is it necromorph? Is that right? Yeah, necromorphs. Yeah. They're changing the way those work, and that they they kept comparing it in the demos to it's gonna it's gonna react to shots and damage like the thing does. Or nice. If you shoot its, its arm off, it reacts, it, it, it grows in a different way. And if you shoot its head off, it does that, you know. So they kept comparing it to the Thing. And that, in addition to the Arctic setting, may be cool, you know? I don't know.
2: Yeah. Well, It'll be like the Thing, basically. Yeah. <laughs> more than yeah. it already was.
0: It's more scary.
1: And, you know, they also showed some new footage of Resident Evil 6 with zombies. Zombies in them.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't think I ever got your your full impressions on that video that I sent you. That I, I found like laughable. Like I was laughing at how absurd well, and over the top it was. Yeah, it's
1: just yeah, it's just you know typical Resident Evil you know stuff. Uh, I mean,
2: was this I'm, Resident Evil like acting and story <laughs> type uh, video?
1: Yeah, there, yeah. There was some of that.
0: This but, was more, it was showing a level where it was just um, Leon. And it ends up what happens is, like, a plane crashes right in front of him. And yeah. Then it, and then it it makes the highway collapse, which launches cars in the air. And he's running away from this explosion. It looks insane. It's just really over the top. Considering yeah. this series has started in, like, essentially a zombie haunted house. I mean, it's just a complete departure from the...
2: Yeah, you know, I remember when it was, like, a small town. And, like, there was, like, yeah. a, it was like small town murders. Yeah. You know, with like people eating the victims, and now it's like, yeah, freeways collapsing, and out- having to outrun the raining cars. Yeah, yeah. Is, yeah, it's come a couple yeah, long it's, way. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy shit.
1: Well, I don't know. We'll see what it's like, but yeah, it
0: was. uh Yeah, it's it's completely over the top. Yeah, and the only thing I mean, as far as watchdogs, I only have one thing really to say. And graphics, yeah, graphics were cool. But I mean, if you're running on High-end hardware, of course, is going to look good. So that's kind of a given. But um, the one thing that really impressed me with that, and I'm sure everyone probably feels the same way, is the very end of it where it goes from one character and it kind of goes up, uh, pans up like a map view, and it goes to another character who gets a mission to respond to what the character we were just following had done. So it's implying either an online environment that's also story-driven or... That the character will involve, or the story will involve multiple characters and the events that are happening in real time. Like you're you, you are in a mission and the results of that mission, another character has to deal with in real time. I think that would be fascinating. I think that'd yeah.
1: be great. It, it's pretty ambitious. I mean, the, the mechanics in themselves are, are pretty nice. The, the game itself, yeah, it's, it's pretty and all, but that's nothing special. But yeah, the, the mechanics were interesting. The whole uh, hacking hacking everything and, and yeah. such and moving from a character to another. Yeah, it's very, it's very cyberpunk, I would say, and uh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, I hope they run with that genre, too. I hope they do some interesting stuff with the genre and not just use it as like a launching pad. I hope it's actually the setting itself is interesting and not just like a cheap backdrop. I've
1: yeah, we well, I, I think in a way it's, uh, you know, the Assassin's Creed uh, series going to, you know, to end someday, Especially mm-hmm. at the rate they're pumping them out. And I think this is, uh, you know, a sort of, uh, you know, not sequel, but successor. Mm. So, in a more modern, future, you know, yeah. uh, setting. So, yeah, yeah I, I think that's how it was born. Like, okay, guys, what are we going to do once Assassin's Creed is, is over? And, uh, yeah, this is the response. And mm-hmm. in that way, it's interesting to me. And I'm pretty sure it, it uses a modified engine, you know, the same kind of stuff.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else at E3 that really blew me away. and It really wasn't. Go ahead.
1: No, the only thing that interested me uh, apart from that was uh, Lords of Shadow, you know. The second game and the Mirror of Fate, you know, version for the 3DS. Sure. I I was pretty disappointed by the original Lords of Shadow. I I thought it was – it's a well-done game, but it's pretty generic and – doesn't do anything special and it doesn't really feel like a castlevania game but you know they really know how to do their trailer so i'm pretty excited about the second one and i hope it will be more faithful to the you know the franchise and the 3ds game actually is the one that interests me the most because it, it looks pretty cool from what they showed I, I found it you know nice looking graphically and uh i think the action and you know setting and everything looks it looks pretty nice so I don't know if you guys saw that or what you think of it but I was you know I, I, it's probably the game I'm most interested
0: in I which one? sorry uh, Lords uh, of Shadow uh, 2 or Mirror of Fate? Mirror of Fate okay yeah I, I saw a lot of footage on Mirror of Fate I did not see a single video on Lords of Shadow, t- Shadow 2 I didn't, I didn't even bother with it honestly yeah, but, uh, yeah
1: there's only the, the trailer there's no okay. gameplay footage at least I didn't see any gameplay footage of it
0: Okay, we, we can probably presume it's going to be pretty much the same type of game, I imagine. So, yeah. Um, Mirror of Fate. I was honest. Here's, I was, gonna, I was going to describe it like a roller coaster ride for me, because like going into it, before I knew it had a Lords of Shadow, like you know, subtitle, I was excited about a new Castlevania on 3DS. Great, yeah. it sounds fantastic. Then I hear it's Lords of Tides, of Lords of Shadow. I'm like crap, you know, it's going to be garbage. And then I see first couple of bits of footage of it, and I'm like, wow, this actually looks really good in motion. And then I hear it involves the Alucard as a playable character. I'm like, oh, okay, fine. Now I'm sold, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm easy. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it looks, it looks good. I'm not, I have to say, I'm not super, super enthusiastic about it. But, yeah, it looks really interesting. I'm, I'm hoping it's really good.
1: Yeah, well, it's the same for me. I mean, I'm not head of areas of it, but, yeah, I'm hoping it's good. I'm, ho- yeah. I'm hoping it's great, even. Yeah, yeah it, loo- it's,
2: it looked uh, good to me too, but it's like I'm I'm sort of like unenthusiastic about just my 3ds in general at this point. I don't know if you guys feel the same way.
0: Like, have you been really... playing it a lot or? No, I have. Mine's kind of been gathering dust since Cadicus. Um, I, I keep waiting for them to do some more first party stuff, and I was really hoping at the E3 they'd show. Something more than another Mario side-scrolling game. I mean, don't get me wrong. (laughs) I like Mario, of course. Well, I know
2: you love New Super Mario Bros. What about number two there,
0: huh? Yeah, that's the trouble. That's the trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is the problem.
1: I I was pretty disappointed that the announced, uh, which is mentioned, would be released. You know, you know, not very soon. Yeah, they mm-hmm. pushed
0: it back to winter. I think. Yeah, I think
1: it's the end of the year. It's probably going to be released for Christmas or maybe Thanksgiving. But
2: that's yeah. weird. because Yeah. Haven't they been promoting it like since the beginning almost? Since yeah. the launch. Yeah. Since yeah.
0: The, Since they first showed the 3ds, that was one of the first titles they showed about and the
1: 3ds. It, and it's going to be a pretty fun game, but uh, yeah, and I think you know it would be. If they, if they miss Halloween, it's just I mean it's just stupid. I mean. Yeah. Uh, for, from a marketing point of view, it's just completely retarded. I can't believe they would do that. So,
0: like, to yeah, me- it's go on. I was just going to say to me, it's it's so being a Nintendo fan, is really easy to get us excited. It's not that hard. But they didn't hit any of the buttons they needed to to get Nintendo fans excited. If they'd yeah. shown, oh, I don't know, for example, any hint about a new Zelda, anything would have been would have been a bump. If they'd unveiled a new first party title like a, a new Miyamoto project. Just even a hint of it would have been re-energizing, to say the least. If they'd shown F Zero, oh my God, you know, it would have gotten a lot of us very excited. How about apparently? I mean, the rumor is that Retro has been working on a first-party Nintendo game for years and years and years, but they haven't shown it off. They don't know what it's going to be. Everyone keep. I think the rumor recently was that it's going to be a hybrid. Metroid and Star Fox project, which sounds like nausea-inducing to me. It sounds gross, but you know, <laughs> yeah. anything show us Show us a little bit. Show us a taste of what's to come instead of just laying the third-party stuff heavy. It was infuriating to watch them do nothing to excite us, to whet our appetite for the future. It was just sad.
2: Yeah, because yeah, I feel like Nintendo is like they're their you know they're their own biggest booster you know with games and software. It's like if they're not making first-party games, like I don't think you know, their systems, you know, are going to be doing well. I mean, it sort of goes, oh, you know, absolutely. it goes that way. Yep. They go that's as far as the, their games go.
0: That's what happened with the GameCube. No one liked Mario Sunshine. Wind Waker was controversial at the time, and they didn't really knock anything else out of the park. I liked F-Zero GX, and, but, and again, no one really liked uh, Mario Kart Double Dash. So, I mean, all these first-party titles, that kind of fell flat. For some people, I think kind of doomed that console.
2: Well, it'll be interesting. It's like it's weird that they've got all these games like Luigi's Mansion and that uh, one from Retro you mentioned where it's like there's sort of you know you can't keep things on the horizon too long or people almost get tired of them before they even get them like that anticipation sort of turns sour. Yep. Like I, agree. I don't know. Yeah, I mean I don't know if you're like is it, I can sort of I thought like I could hear it in your voice as like because I know you were looking forward to Luigi's Mansion but it's gonna but you know you're not looking forward to it like forever. Yeah, <laughs> you know, sort of a thing. At some point, you're just going to be like, "Well, yeah, I was in a place in my life where I wanted to play that, but it kind of passed." <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah,
1: it's the same also for a game that was, you know, I fo- fucking I forgot the name, and it was that uh, retro rampage game. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was supposed to be a virtual console game at first, some kind of indie title, and oh, now it's, retro it's, it's rampage. Retro yeah, rampage. yeah, and now I think it's moved on to the PS3 or whatever. Anyway. Yeah, it's, it's been uh, coming for so long that I'm just not very interested into it anymore. And I'm not sure I even get it when it comes out. And it's just, it's just too bad because it still looks as neat as it did before. But yeah, I mean, they, they have been showing the same videos for years
0: now. Yep, yep. It's supposed to come out this summer. But, you know, it's two years late already. So who knows? Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's interesting that they didn't even mention a new Zelda, because I know in interviews they've mentioned, like, that was a priority, a new Zelda for the
0: 3DS. Oh, I'm sure it is. My fear, dude, my fear of that is that they're going to put the same team that made the DS Zeldas, which were, oh, Uh, terrible, terrible.
2: Well, also, what's like, the... It's interesting that you brought up, like, they only announced, like, Mario games. Because to me, the only game I've been playing on my 3DS has been 3D Land still. Like, I love that game. I'm uh It's a good game. Yeah, no, it's I'm a still, pretty fucking good game. Yeah, I'm still... That's, like, one of my favorite, like... That's, like, sort of one of my all-time favorite Mario games now, I feel like. And, like, is the team that's going to be doing the, the new Super Mario Brothers... Is it going to be, like, the same team that did the old new Super Mario Brothers? Or are they going to use any of the guys that did 3D Land?
0: Honestly, dude, I don't know because there's, to me there has been like two different teams for those games because they're they're doing yeah. two different new Super Mario Brothers. There's new Super Mario Brothers U and there's new Super Mario Brothers Two for the D- 3DS, and that one actually looks better than the one on the Wii U to me. The one that well, they showed the 3DS one looks better to me, so I don't know.
2: Of the last two, uh, which one was better? I'm sorry, this is because you know, no one cares about these old games. Uh, the, the, but, uh, the
0: one on the, the one on the Wii was in my opinion quite a bit better than the one on the DS. I hated the one on the DS, but everyone else seemed to like it. Uh,
1: but, oh yeah, I mean you know I didn't mind the one on the DS. I didn't play the Wii one, but I didn't mind the one on the on the DS. But uh, at the same time, I mean, you know, three D land is a lot better. It's not even comparable to me. So Yeah, I mean, yeah.
0: absolutely. It's night and day. So that's E3, and uh, yeah, and you know, no secret announcement from Valve about you know the third, you know, release of their big franchise. <laughs> you know, nothing, was, nothing yeah. like that happened. So
2: speaking of uh, yeah, like letting like time sort of expire, you know, on uh, releasing a <laughs> project. It's like damn.
0: Well, that is. It's really simple with Valve. Like they're they have no incentive to release their game. They're making money hand over fist by barely doing anything you know steam
2: well you know at least like steam you know steam's a good i mean it works it's good i enjoy steam like it's like diablo 3 is sort of like highly me and my dad were talking about this how like with diablo 3 whenever a new patch or fix comes out like the game is down for like 24 hours yeah whereas on you know because we're sort of mentioned how we're spoiled by steam where it's like it patches automatically and you don't even notice and everything works
0: Yep. Like I don't know if uh if you agree with that. Well, I think it does require a restart but it doesn't force you to, you know. Yeah. And uh, actually is, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say Steam is a great platform in general. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's just, you know, moved the standards up to a level that was just not even, you know, thinkable before.
0: Yeah. And I I'm not sure how much you guys know about this, but you know, TF2 or Team Fortress 2, which is free to play now, um offers players to create items and then sell them on the marketplace for which valve gets a cut of. And I think they made something like when they first opened that, they made like some kind of like, I think it was like 2 million, 3 million on the first day. And of course valve gets a cut for everything sold. And that's just users creating items on their platform, meaning no input from valve. All valve has to do is click the post button, you know, no, wait a button.
2: minute. When you said two to 3 million, do you
0: mean dollars? dollars <laughs> like, yes. That's
2: like, Jesus,
0: <laughs> which means play, players of course you know benefit from that too the players that made it made shitloads of money from the first wave of that and that store is still wow. operating and valve gets a cut of everything that's sold on that so they're making shitloads of money so from the development side they're just like yeah we have some ideas for half-life 3 but what's the rush <laughs> you know yeah this is sad this makes me sad but that's okay it'll come eventually you know we're 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 berserk fans we're used to waiting months and months and years for things <laughs> yeah. For quality things,
2: we are we are not the type that need instant gratification. So yeah.
0: So I guess we'll just uh, finish it up with um, me and Azil been playing Max Payne three. Uh, this was something that I I'd really had no expectations for until about six months before launch when they showed this video that explained how the systems were going to work as far as the graphics. So each bullet is modeled in the game world, which means it's it, it can penetrate objects. And, and is individually modeled. The gun actually recoils. Uh, physically, the actual physical model recoils. All, all this crazy stuff that happens in the game. It's basically like bullet porn. It's, it's <laughs> really fantastic. And it, even beyond that, like, I'm really enjoying the game. This is Rockstar developed. It used to be Remedy. Remedy did Max Payne 1 and 2. So this is Rockstar. Quite a bit different atmosphere and presentation to the game. But honestly, I think they nailed it. It's basically like watching a Michael Mann movie. Like if you've seen Heat or, or – what's the one with fucking Tom Cruise um, and oh. Jamie Foxx? But anyway, that one. It's very similar one to where It's
2: got the gray hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: I can't yeah, remember yeah. the name. Yeah. Uh, anyway. I mean, it's Collateral maybe. That's the one. Collateral. Yeah. 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 It's very similar to that kind of atmosphere. Um, I, think it's, I think it's great. I'm, honestly, I'm loving every minute of it. Uh, I'm only about two or three hours in but uh, I think it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty great game, and you know they put a lot of attention to detail. Like when Max is carrying, you know, weapons, he's got mm-hmm. two guns, and he can carry a, a bigger one, like you know, a shotgun or a rifle. And you know, when you, when you you switch weapons, like he's still holding the rifle with the other end. If you pick your two guns, he he has to drop it. You know, so there's that realistic you know, side to things.
0: It's you also. You also see him trade hands with the weapons, like he, yeah. And it's not just a, a, a model disappearing and then reappearing. It's yeah. Like he actually, you know, rearranges his loadout, like right there. Yeah. Wow. It's
1: cool. He has he has two he has two old stars where he can put his guns, you know, the small right. stuff or his, you know, UZIs and such. But for the rifles, he has to, you know, to keep them in his hands, and he drops them if you move. I think it's honestly, I think it's pretty cool. Even when he reloads, you know, like he he's tucking it under his arm to you know yeah. take out the clip. So. Yeah, and of course, you know, everything in the game, the atmosphere, the dialogue, the scripts, it's it's pretty well done. I think they really, like you said, they nailed it. They nailed it. And, uh, you know, I'm not surprised uh, Remedy said uh, it was, you know, great and, you know, complimented Rockstar on it because, honestly, I don't think anybody else could have done could have done it justice better than they did. And, you know, I, I, I've always been thinking that Rockstar was a really great developer, but, you know, it's it's... It's kind of incredible, actually. You know, people give you know you know props to Valve or Blizzard for you know making great games. I think Rockstar honestly is better than pretty much anybody else. They only release quality stuff. So yeah, I don't know. Been, and I'm, I'm in love with I, the game.
0: I'm I'm am the least experienced of the Rockstar. I've played and the last Rockstar game I played through all the way. Oh, fuck! I've never played through a Rockstar game all the way. Now, I think I never beaten a GTA. The last game I really played was like uh, GTA three Vice City. I never even played uh San Andreas. I never yeah. got through GTA four because the you PC port is piss poor.
1: You didn't play a Red Dead Redemption? Yeah, yeah you I
0: gotta I play Red Dead Redemption. The PC fl- port never the PC never came out. So uh,
1: dude, it's it's a great game. Oh, you, ah, yeah. you don't know what you missed. It's a really great game.
0: I'm sure I I guess I was gonna end it by saying I'm sure their games are fucking fantastic. I've just never gotten around to them.
1: I mean, you know, I was speaking earlier of whole Team raise the bar, you know. Well, these games, honestly, they really raise the bar in many ways. You know, people often disparage them, saying, oh, yeah, it's just violence, it's just murder simulators and such. It's, it's really a tragedy because, you know, these games are amazing in many, many ways. Many, yeah. many ways. And as far as scripts, dialogue goes, it's, you know... There's always this, you know, in the USA, they always talk about mature titles, maturity and such. They, it's mm-hmm. just, you know, they don't use the word properly. They just use it to say it does blood and gore and such. But these games are mature in the themes they, they use. I mean, you play Red Dead Redemption. It's, it's like a movie. Honestly, it's on a cinematic yeah. level. It's,
2: uh, Yeah. And, wow, and when you mentioned uh, just that it was Rockstar that had developed it, it, I mean, immediately in my mind, I was like, oh, wow, that, you know, like what you said, it's like, oh, they only make great games, <laughs> you yeah. know, and like, yeah. in the head, I was like, oh, it's probably really good because they only do really good games.
0: And they also spent a hell of a lot of time on this. I mean, the development history for Max Payne 3 is kind of sorted, like, initially, Remedy was going to start working on it directly after Max Payne 2, but Max Payne Two didn't sell well, so they sold what they had to Rockstar, and Rockstar's been working on it since like 2003 or four or something like that, like a long yeah. fucking time. So,
1: yeah, I remember when the first screenshots were released, and you saw, you know, Max with his head shaved. Yeah, and people were
0: outraged. I mean, I I was outraged as well, but <laughs> yeah, in the end, it works. It didn't bother me because I mean, the way Max Payne Two ends, I figure he's going to have a dramatic departure. He's probably going to be. a changed guy yeah, after sure. all
1: that, so... Well, I mean, the, the first screenshot, you see him in a highway in shirt with his yeah, shaved head. Yeah. It's a full daylight. It, it, it doesn't yeah. really, you know, says Max Payne, you know? But, it's true. yeah, it, it works in the end. I, I think they managed it well. And, uh, of course, the narrator, the voice, the voice actor, does a lot of the job. I mean, he sets said Damn, he had, man. He had
0: just by himself. He kicks ass. I'm seriously... I, I'm constantly impressed by the stuff he yeah. does. I, mean, I, I don't even think I noticed him being a great actor during the first two Max Payne games. It was very campy a lot of times his performance was. But he nails some, d- some dramatic stuff in this. Like, yeah. just f- fucking hits it out of the park. I, I
1: think he, in the original two games, it's, uh, it's more the dialogue that is, you know, a bit cheesy at times. Yeah, and that's true. I, I, I think it's even voluntary, you know, uh, in the Alan Wake, which is by Remedy as well, they also do a bit of this, it's, you know, some kind of cheesy humor here and there, but, you know, the guy himself, yeah, he always struck me as pretty good, he has a great voice, and he delivers well, and, yeah, in this game, it's just, you know, it's it's really, really impressive, I'm, I, I'm surprised, I, I don't know about anything else he's done, other than these games, yeah, but, go right. But, uh, yeah, he, he's great. He's just awesome. Honestly, uh, he should work for TV or movies or whatever. I don't know, but... He yeah, he's, just, in wrong,
0: he's in the wrong field. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, also he's also just yeah. going to be underappreciated. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Azil, am I underselling how awesome the music is? Or am I overselling it? Uh, how awesome what? The music
1: is. In the game?
0: Yes, the game music.
1: Oh, well, no, I, I like it, actually. I, I think it's... you know the, so I haven't really thought about it. You know, apart okay. from the whole package, but I, I like the you know the old uh, Max Payne theme and such, and much in the same way that you know other developers have been able to reuse you know you know music from the past in you know mm-hmm. a smart way. I think they managed to hit the notes very cleverly, and it, it makes you feel nostalgic at times, and at other times when it's time for action to start, yeah, it gets you pumping. So. I think it's very effective but uh, to be honest I haven't really you know listened to it you know aside from the rest yet and given it proper thought so I I couldn't tell but yeah I, I mean
0: I've oh, own, I've I, own, I, bought, I bought the soundtrack uh 2 weeks ago and I've had it for 2 weeks I've and iTunes keeps track of how often you play something I've played through it 12 times so I know the album and it's it's freaking amazing <laughs> I absolutely love that album it's well, really good
1: I guess I'll well, I'll just have to buy it as well then
0: it's fucking good. Yeah, I was trying <laughs> to think of the last time—the last time I got a video game soundtrack that I liked as much. I think it's like Shadow of the Colossus. Like, I can't uh, recall a time uh, that I liked a right. soundtrack as
1: much. Let me tell you one thing: you fucking okay. play Red, Red Dead Redemption, and you'll buy—you'll yeah. buy, you'll buy another soundtrack because it's fucking <laughs> great. Uh, seriously, you know, and and that soundtrack—just to tell you one thing—it uh, evolves as the situation changes. You know, mm. so you're like you just, you know, riding in the desert. It's, you know, a calm music or, you know, a bit, you mm-hmm. know, atmospheric. Then something happens. It, you know, kicks up. You know, it's not, it just evolves naturally. It's very cleverly done. And, and I remember seeing it. They haven't made a documentary on it. It's
2: very, very well done. It's, so, like, a, it's like a score, basically, for like the actual yeah. action, like, like a TV show or a movie would be where it like, yeah, it yeah. changes with the action.
1: Yeah, and it, but the thing is that it's dynamic. Like, you know, it just one moment it's calm, the other moment it's kicking up, and it all flows, you know, very smoothly. And it's it's very well done. So, yeah, Rockstar well, Games, yeah, they're fucking I great. Hope, <laughs>
0: I hope I get a chance to play it. I don't, I don't think I'm going to buy a console at this point. I mean...
1: Well, I'd send you mine, <laughs> but, you know... Yeah, but, don't worry about you that. It, you know? <laughs>
0: Um. While we're on the topic of Rockstar, no GTA Five at E3. Apparently, that's normal. Apparently, Rockstar generally doesn't bother with these trade shows. I, I didn't know that. I've never really looked into it though. But yeah, no appearance. But um, I'm I'm guessing it's gonna come out later on this year. I think I think they even have a 2012 date. I can't remember now though.
1: I wonder, I wonder actually if they if they're going to release it, you know, because the current you know platforms are almost dead. Let's say yeah. So I wonder if they're going to, if they're not going to wait and release it for the next generation. I mean, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. It could go as either way, but yeah,
0: it What's could so be worth world, it. Uh, go ahead, go ahead. Now
1: I was just going to say, since it's an open world game, you know, they they could use the power. You know, there are few games we, that need as much power as these kind of games, you know, do. So yeah. I think they, they could use to they could use the, the, the you know supplementary power.
2: Mm. Hmm. Now do sure. you think it's gonna be GTA is it definitely gonna be GTA five or are they gonna do sort of what they did after GTA three where they had like those like sort of little sub sequels? Uh, I, I think it's been uh, called GTA five.
1: I'm yeah, not sure. Not- I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure it, it was called five. It is, it's
0: GTA five. There's a logo and everything already set. Yeah oh, okay.
1: and it, it takes place in uh, Vinewood.
2: What? Vinewood. Right. You know? Yeah.
0: Oh. LA, is it not? Yeah, it's,
1: a- in, it's in LA.
2: Yeah. yeah you see that's what i i liked about San andreas is it like yeah it had like basically like a simulated all of california <laughs> like it was cool. wow. i think
1: it's a it's a bit of the same so the, the map is going to be huge
0: right <clears throat> i think they i think they even showed a screenshot of the map or a, a clip of the map and it's like fucking yeah. massive though I yeah we know.
1: we saw a bit of it and it was pretty fucking big it it won't yeah. be as maybe not as expensive as uh, san andreas was. But it's going to be bigger,
2: you know, as right. a like the city. Like the Vinewood will be bigger, right? They'll just sort of focus in on that, I guess.
1: Yeah, and I think there will be areas around it, but it won't be like you can cross, you know, the whole state, but it's going to be, you know, pretty fucking huge. Yeah, I'm, assuming, remember-
0: I'm assuming it's like more dense, you know, even as less yeah. land, land mass, but there's more to do or denser than.
1: Well, and the thing is, the map itself, I mean, the map might be bigger, it's just. The cities, the city will be bigger, you know, and yeah. there won't be, you know, yeah, it's more like that.
2: Yeah, the the LA in uh, in San Andreas is more like a town than like Los An- than actually like Los Angeles, yeah. and you know because they let you go to like San Francisco, you can also go to like Las Vegas. So like I can see it like being bigger, but if it's just all Vinewood, then they'll make it a much more like dense city, like you were saying.
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much, and I think they they'll be focusing on. uh I mean, at least in the original trailers, they showed, it, it was focused on, you know, poor uh, people, you know, who are down on their luck because of the economy. So I think there'll be an interesting social commentary on it. You know, like, I won't say they always do that, but usually the games are not completely stupid. Even in GTA 4, the whole talk about, you know, back the war and such, it was not... You know, again, I think it has a maturity there that you don't find in a lot of the games. Whereas, you know, the the main character Nico, he's a thug, but at the same time, he's got a past, and it's not, it's not that cheesy. I I thought it was, it was not that bad the way they did it. Of course, it's not, you know, I mean, it's not a great philosophy or anything, but it was an honest effort. I thought.
2: Well, just the fact that they'll touch on like real world themes like that, where most games sort of just avoid that sort of thing, and it's like its own little world. Right. Is you know, sort of interesting that they'll actually like address things. Yep.
0: Yeah, I mean again Rockstar is known for social commentary in games. I guess my, my problem has always been that their tone is all I mean, I'm I'm basing this on what I've played, but often the tone is extremely crass, so much so that it sells it's very smart ass. <laughs> right. It's so much so that it sells what they're actually trying to accomplish short by taking the crass route, like the, the smart ass route. But wow. uh I liked what I what I did play of GTA Four. I played the first two or three hours. I think it was. I liked Nico's character, and I liked that they were going for more of a well-rounded, faceted character than just some street thug. Basically, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. In GTA Four specifically, they they made an effort to you know in that direction, where it's less cartoonish, less yeah. exaggerating, and more. It's, it's more yeah. endearing. Yeah, there's more gravity to to it all. I mean, it's it's more serious, even in his relationships. It's very. I mean, Nico is often. He's very critical of you know American society, and it's it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny because it's it's often true what he says.
0: Mm.
1: I mean, and it's not just American society. It's more like a a commentary on Western society in general, and you know capitalism and all that.
0: Right, right. Well, I think it's gonna do it for the show, guys. Is there anything else? Well, nope. Okay, well then I guess we'll see you guys back next uh, two weeks from now, uh, 24th. So stay tuned for another Berserk episode and another episode of SkullCast.
2: Yeah, yeah, we didn't even say goodbye, actually, I realize, as <laughs> not I? We were just sort of there, like, ugh. I was just, you know, like... <laughs> you're, you're, like, yawning, you know?
0: <laughs> like, you can say uh, goodbye, and I'll edit it in. <laughs>
2: <laughs> goodbye! See ya! Are <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you guys still playing Diablo 3? Yeah, Barely. No, not, yeah, not I've, I've noticed even. that there's been a huge uh, drop-off. Like, you know, when I first was on there, it was like, there's always, everyone was always on, and now it's like, I'll see, like, one or two people and usually that one person is my dad <laughs> so.
0: it's bizarre man i can't explain it my my drive to play the game more just suddenly like just croaked i don't understand it i think it's because i may have played it too much too quick because after my first playthrough i went through what inferno whatever the next one is and then i'm in the third difficulty it feels like I've, I've played the game through like three times now i'm just like yeah I, I get it i need to start another character to reinvigorate my interest in the game at the same time, I don't want to. You've already been be, there and done that. Well, kind of not like. just that, not, not just that, but I also I'm like, if I'm playing more, I should be pimping out my character. I've already invested 30 hours in, not starting from yeah, yeah. scratch. You know, well, so it's
2: it's actually getting kind of interesting and contr- like a little controversial. Like the like the I guess the message boards are you know sort of screaming at this point because mm. the the final difficult. There's a fourth difficulty level. That's what Inferno is, and it's like. People are complaining that it's impossible to finish without going to the auction house where you know the prices oh. have all become super inflated, you know, where okay. it's like I need this sword in order to beat the game and it costs 9 million gold, you mm. know, or, or more. And you know, people are, you know, people are getting very conspiratorial that Blizzard made it so like when the real money auction house starts and they get a cut of all the of everything yeah. that's sold, that you basically need to, you know, pay to beat the game. You know, to either buy the gold that you need or to buy the weapons or whatever. And, you know, people are getting very upset with that. And sort of uh, at the higher difficulties, all the joy sort of gets sucked out of it. Because, yeah, you just get killed all the time.
0: Yeah, that's the the other thing is I remember this feeling of empowerment going through the game on normal and even the next difficulty level. But the third difficulty level... I'm, like, I'm dying in almost every single, like, unique character or elite or whatever they're called. Yeah, you
2: can't, you, I mean, okay, I'm, I got my barb to level 60 and I, like, I found a build that's, like, really good for, like, tanking and just staying Mm -hmm. alive and standing in there. And on Inferno, now that I'm, you know, I'm max level, I don't need experience, I've, like, adapted my character basically to just run through everything. (laughs) Like, he doesn't fight, he (laughs) just runs away. And then I, like, and then I power up to, like, beat bosses and it's, you know, it's hell. Okay. But, yeah, and so it's like, it's not, you know, it's only fun if you're into, like, the challenge of trying to get through it. But, I mean, I'm not enjoying it like the way you're supposed to, where you're supposed to, you know, the drops are supposed to fuel the game. Your guy gets yeah. better, you have more fun, and you go out and you kill things and you get more drops. It just hasn't, you know, it's just, it doesn't work that way. What you get isn't good enough.
0: Honestly, man, I think I, I think the Auction House really, looking back, I think it ruined that part of the game, I think it completely ruined the economy of drops because it's been I can't I can't remember the last time I got a drop that was useful enough for me to equip. It's almost it's ninety nine percent of the time I'm just gonna sell it for gold for the auction house, and that's that's sad, man. You know the auction yeah. house, you kind of have to if you want any decent equip. It's more it's more like this: once you dip your finger into the auction house and you see how the stats, how much better the stats are, or how much more like specific you can get with the stats you need. You can't go back. Because then you, yeah. cause you, just, you know what's out there, you know? You know yeah, you I've, I've managed
2: it. to avoid it, but, like, my dad's into the auction house. And admittedly, sometimes I'll get, like, a weapon or something from him that he's not using anymore. But, like, he'll do these gold runs for hours just to get gold to buy things at the auction house. And I just say to him, like, well, what's the fun in that? that you know, no, there's, no, like, f-
0: there's no fun in it. It sucks. Yeah,
2: and he says, yeah, it isn't fun. It's like, I'm getting tired of it. And it's like they just keep doing. And now they're talking about, like, well, you know what we need to do? We're going to make repair costs higher and potions cost more. And you know, all these, Yeah, and I'm like, this is, you know, I liked this game at first because it was just sort of pure fun. It was it was yeah. too easy, if anything. And now it's becoming like, well, I mean, I'm not going to want to play this anymore. It's going to become like a job. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. I'm thinking of, <laughs> that being said, I'm thinking of starting like a hardcore character just to play <laughs> like the early rounds again, but to have like more tension in it. I don't know.
0: I, like, I, I started a hardcore character, but then I was wondering... Is there any benefit to playing hardcore other than the knowledge that you could die and that's it? Do you get better drops or is it harder or what? what what's actually changed?
2: Uh, it's, I think it's probably just the same because, I mean, it would be hard enough okay. to stay alive. They just, you know, they make it so it's hard. Sure. And they're talking about like with the repair costs. I read an interview where it's like, well, we noticed some people were just sort of, uh, you know, letting themselves get killed fighting bosses and then just going back and like work, you know, wearing them down and sort of, you know, they use the term zerging it. And I was thinking like, well, you know, so what, you know, at some point, you know, people have to be able to, you know, just, you got to let the game be the game and let people, if there's like a, if there's a bad exploit, you know, get rid of it. But like, they've been, they've been getting rid of like the exploits for like getting, you know, lots of golden XP, like, Mm -hmm. I guess too quickly. But now they're even doing things where it's like people were playing like the, what is it, act three when you're on top of the, the keep and yeah. there's a lot of monsters and apparently people have been using that to level by fighting all those monsters and they nerfed that too and i'm mm. thinking well at some point you know what's the point you know where you have you know that's not really cheating that's just playing a densely populated part of the game where you have to be strong enough to beat those monsters that's not like just you know restarting the game over and over next to a gold chest or something yeah so yeah. At, at the point it's like well then are you just trying to make the game not fun <laughs> you know
0: yeah, the, the example you gave of um, of beating down a boss by a zerging or, or multiple attacks and then dying, how's that different from doing a TP run? From like going up against Diablo, hitting him a couple times, TPing back to town, and I'm talking Diablo too, obviously. Yeah. Going back to town, talking to the person, getting healed, running back in. I mean, it's the same shit. They have a problem with that, I guess.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's Well, the thing that drove me nuts is when I heard that they, like, well, now we nerfed this area that had, you know, all these monsters. Like, lots of tough monsters you have to fight, and you can, you know, get a lot of experience there. And it's like, well, why would you make it so you can't get experience everywhere? It's like, that's actually earned experience, fighting all those yeah. monsters. It's not, like, cheating. So I don't get right. it. At that point, it's like, then you're just sort of nerfing people's ability to enjoy the game the way they want
0: to. I guess you from know, a design a from a design perspective they probably want to spread out the areas that players are playing because if there's one place that's super super lucrative why would you play anywhere else ever if you're just going for experience or gold, Yeah. Well, go good. ahead sorry go ahead it just, just doesn't sound like a very fun experience if you're playing min, like min max that'd be the only place you would play because it's the only like efficient way you're spending your time that's probably what they're coming to it
2: yeah from. Well, the interesting thing, though, is that it's always that way, sort of, like, because then it becomes, like, it's all about the drops once you get to level 60, golden drops, and it's like, I'm trying to rush through to, like, act, you know, three and four, because why would I want to play act one? And that's the other thing, when you're, I don't know why they have a max level anyway, other than to, like, release an expansion where they raise it, and, you know, instead of just having you get incrementally stronger, and the monsters, too... Because like I have no incentive to fight you know monsters you know anymore. Yeah. I know I'm not going to get any good drops in Act One of Inferno, so now I just run past them. And it's like I'm even doing like, you discover these unnatural game play strategies, like the part where you have to when you're trying to go into the the Nephilim Temple, that water temple, and you have to go get the two orbs for it. I mm-hmm. run to the dungeons. I run to the orbs. You know, and there's all these monsters that to fight. I run <laughs> and I grab the orb and then i let them kill me so i'll reappear at the beginning of the temple and then i just exit nice, <laughs> and it's nice. like so I'm, I'm you know it's like thanks for killing me because that's my exit strategy actually yeah so i don't know like it's weird and i'm actually speaking of like what we're playing i'm playing diablo 2 again <laughs> oh <laughs> then, wow and, yeah what do you
0: think what do you think cuz i played diablo 2 directly before diablo 3 to kind of like get like a reference point what yeah. do you think of diablo 2 having played diablo 3
2: well all right it's a uh it's hard to describe the difference between the two games. I think there's less of a difference than between like Diablo one and Diablo two. Yeah. But, uh, there definitely is like a big difference. Like Diablo three feels a lot more lively. I would say like the way you jump around, the way you fight groups, it's a lot, it feels a lot less like you're just clicking. Whereas, uh, Diablo two feels a lot more simple point and click as if you're pointing and clicking on the desktop, like the monsters are icons and I'm clicking them to die, you know, sort of a thing. And, uh, but, you know, I've it's refreshing to go back and play it because it's like, you know, I'm not dying all the time. I get good drops that I use consistently. I'm never, you know, hurting for money as long as, you know, you don't gamble it all away or something. So, I don't know, it's been kind of fun. Like, it's sort of, you know, nice to go back. And also, they made it so you can reset your stats and things in there, which is one of the I'll, things I really liked about uh, Diablo 3.
0: What I said I was about to ask you was, obviously, one of the biggest changes between the two was, the lack of stats customization in Diablo 3. Do you feel that's missed now that you're experiencing Diablo 2? Like, do you think that was an improvement or a problem? Like, what do you think about the stats in general? Uh,
2: well, no, not really, because, like, I still feel uneasy when I pump points into stats because I'm like, well, I'm yeah. probably going to change these later because this isn't going to be good, <laughs> you know. But it, it yeah. does. The fact that you can reset them now with, like, a car, I guess you can do it three times, and then you can also collect these essences from. All the big bosses and like use the Heradric Cube to make a potion that'll also reset your stats. So okay. you can, so you can, that uh, it's nice to have that in the back of your mind, and it also allows you to like sort of play the early part of the game by like you know this I'm going to make a character that's efficient for the early going, and then yeah. later I can change them for
0: when I'm high level.
2: So that makes sense, you know, to have that all sort right. of ability without making Re- it so you do it every every minute.
0: As someone who went through Diablo three one to sixty on all difficulties, did you go back to Diablo two with a barbarian? Oh yeah. <laughs> Are, you so like, Are you not sick of a barbarian at this point? If
2: I if I make a, a hardcore character, it's gonna be a barbarian too. I'm not you know on your little profile screen in Diablo three? Yeah. I want to like show your time with each character, like on little yeah. like bar on like a bar graph. Mine's like full barbarian and I don't want to taint that even by I was thinking of making like a monk named Heisenberg. It's a Breaking Bad joke,
0: <laughs> but yeah. No, I'm not
2: even gonna do that. I might make a female barbarian. That's as like much as I'm gonna change it up.
0: Honestly, I got, I got, I get, I'm getting really sick of the same skill build that I have. I've been playing the same skill build pretty much since level 30. Like it hasn't deviated. I'm level 54 right now. So,
2: mm. yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. I haven't changed much in a while, other than like throwing like the running ability in now. Because I got this build uh I think I found yeah, I found it online like this inferno survival build, and it worked really well at keeping you alive, like it's a really good sort of tanking build. It's supposed to be especially good for groups actually because it's got a lot of crowd control and would allow like wizards and demon hunters to basically uh like destroy all the enemies while you just sort of keep them at bay and stay alive while they all attack you, but I haven't gotten to really use it that way, but it, yeah, it works for soloing too,
0: I don't know. Well- before we close out, Azil, are you still there?
2: Yeah, I'm still there, of course.
1: Okay. <laughs> As is asleep at this point. Like Jesus, I've been listening and just you know,
2: well, reading. Well, what, about, stuff. what about what yeah. about what about you, Az? I mean, uh, are you done with the game or?
1: Well, still, you like- know, uh, the thing is, uh, I mean, I I always knew I wouldn't be playing the game like mad. You know, I played Diablo two back then, and I dropped off quickly enough, and. I feel bad because I've got a friend who's playing Diablo three pretty, you know, you know, you know, intensively, and he's uh, added me as a friend several times, and I've just, you know, I just haven't come back to the game. So he's like, "Oh, you don't want to play with me?" And (laughs) yeah, the the truth is, I'm just not very interested in the game anymore because that mechanic of repetitiveness doesn't really attract me. And right now, I'm I'm playing Max Payne. I'm much more interested in Max Payne than Diablo three. But uh, yeah, I, I like the game and. You know, regarding what you were saying earlier, I think the problem is they've taken a lot of cues from World of Warcraft. And so the way they patch the game, the way they use the servers, the way they, you know, try to adjust, you know, difficulty and such, it's all very similar to, you know, the, you know, mechanics one would use for designing a multiplayer, you know, online game like that. So, yeah, I I don't think it's necessarily a good thing, but at the same time, I think it's pretty clear to me that they've oriented the game uh, towards uh, making a profit, you know, profitability. And yeah. unfortunately, I think the gameplay experience may be lessened by then. It may be damaged by that kind of, uh, uh, you know, mentality. But hmm. what can you do?
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting when you mentioned earlier, uh, Walter uh, Valve. You know, like what motivation do they have to do uh, <laughs> to do the next uh, Half Life game? Because they're making money hand over fist with uh, with Steam. You made me. You reminded me of uh, Blizzard and sort of you know you know the, why they didn't have motivation to do Diablo three for a while because they were just you know they were in the world of yeah. Warcraft business. Well,
0: they they're similar. They're, they're com- their companies are structured in a similar way in that they have this almost endless income that's coming in. It's not going to stop. It's not slowing down. Yeah. Uh, so why why should we rush anything? You know, let's we'll just move it yeah. at its own lethargic pace until we like it.
2: Yeah, you know, or why even, you know, what's the motivation for doing it at all? But then it's like when you see them, they move like six and a half million copies in the first week of Diablo 3. And then with like the never ending money stream of the, the money auction house coming up, then it's like, oh, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you release another game like this. Yeah. You can have yeah. two.
0: Yeah. I wanted to um, end the podcast on a, a question for you guys that you, you guys, I'm sure, can easily answer. I could not easily answer this question. Um, I was talking to my wife while we were driving the other day, and uh, we're talking about superheroes and, with superpowers. And I'd said something about how like those don't exist in Berserk, necessarily. And she's like, what? Guts doesn't have superpowers? I'm like, no, Guts doesn't have superpowers. She's like, well, he's got like, a big sword. I'm like, yeah, he's got a big sword, so what? It's like, well, he's got that brand, right? Like, yeah, he's, he's got the he's got the brand, and it can it can detect enemies and stuff. Like, how's that not a superpower? I, I, well, I, I don't know. It's not a superpower. Why, why is it a, not a superpower?
1: Yeah, it's a supernatural power, but it's not really a superpower like one you would find in, uh, in video games. For one thing, the brand is a, a curse, and it mm-hmm. you know brings him a lot more troubles and advantages. Yeah, he sure he can detect the his enemies, but they can detect him as well. And the prime, you know, the prime mechanic is they detect him. And then they pursue him and harass him, you know, every night. And, uh, mm-hmm. and sure. yeah, I mean, and well, it's not really, you know, the world of Berserk, I think, doesn't really lead itself to superpowers. Well, you know, in the case of Superman, for example, you know, it's a normal world with normal humans. And he... Yeah. He's, you know, he has powers that go way beyond that of of a normal human. For Guts, you know, he has, you know, superhuman strength, I guess I I could say. But at the same time, he's still, you know, variable in a way that a human is. And you know, I I guess I would go ahead. Yeah, go ahead.
0: ahead. Well, I was going to say, I, I think it's a it's a fundamental change or shift in the way Miura writes, uh, characters with power or those that have power, like, everything comes with a price. Like everything that is superhuman has like a price you pay for it. Whereas something Superman, yeah, he just has these cool gifts, cool powers that really don't cause him any trouble. Like heat vision, X-ray vision. Great. What's the downside to using something like that? You know, there's no consequence or,
1: and and it's also not depicted in the same way. Like the fact guts can use, you know, his sword is, it's awesome. You know, it's all inspiring, but at the same time, it's not a power. It's just, it's a result of training his entire life with a sword. So it's a different rule in the world of berserk. Well, where a man can train his body to do inc- incredible things. And it's not just guts like the tapasa, they can, you know, they can bend mm-hmm. steel, they can, you know, you know shred steel to, you know, to tears just with the fists, their mm-hmm. bare, you know, limbs. But it's because they've trained their entire lives for this. So it's just a world with different rules where, you know, people can achieve, you know, you know, bigger things but yeah it's different and much in the same way that apostles are not super you know humans they're supernatural beings which are imbued with magical powers and such but it's not it's just i think it's mostly in the way in which it's depicted and how the world is portrayed
2: mm. yeah i agree with that and i think it's also that sort of it's like a matter of semantics and like sort of genre rules where yeah, like yeah. you know, in our minds, we say, "Well, of course, he doesn't have superpowers because Berserk isn't like a superhero comic. You know, it isn't like that kind of right. thing, like Superman or anything like that. It's ba- it's more, it's got more of a foundation and sort of like like as was saying, like the you know, if you've got powers, you know, they come with a price, you know, and there's some sort of like." Deeply rooted explanation for them. People don't just, you know, if if someone's flying, it's because they have wings, <laughs> you know, yeah. that sort of a thing. Yeah. It's like, it's not because they can just, you know, putter around with like, uh, I don't know, unexplained, you know, power. It's not, I don't know, I don't really think of even the characters that have like, what are supernatural powers or what are, you know, pretty amazing powers. It's not like, it's not like Superman kind of powers. So yeah, right. yeah, that's that's part of the reason why I think to us it's obvious, but if you know, you wanted to get technical, you'd be like, well, you know, that's superpower, you know, no one no real person has power like that, but it's like, you right. know, it's a little different, just the way it's portrayed.
1: Yeah, it's because it's a different world with different rules. Yeah. But in the end, it's not like you can just get zapped with a ray, you know, a lab accident and <laughs> suddenly, <laughs> oh, 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 radiation. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, 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 pretty much, yeah. You don't get beaten by, you know, magic spider and just, you know. So, even the magic is, you know, there are rules of who it works and who it doesn't work and such. So, I think, yeah. Even
2: the magic is sort of, like, given, like, a scientific basis, you know. There's, like, formulas and things you have to say and do and, you know, forces you have to interact with.
0: The word is is it's grounded in some kind of explanation and not just... But I mean, even as I say that, I'm like, "Well, the explanation for Superman is yeah, he's an
2: alien. For- <laughs> he's
0: yellow, he's got a yellow sun that powers him. So that's his that's yeah. his lore, you know. But yeah, I think it has to do with the rule, like you say, the rules of the universe that the title exists in, and, and what's expected of those rules, you know. That's and yeah, and
2: just the way it's even just the way you're sort of supposed to think about it. It's like right. the sort of the The perspective it's in like superman you're supposed to think of him you know you know it's in the title he's got superpowers whereas you know berserk isn't you know that kind of superhero story so yeah yeah. that was a
0: fun exercise
2: yeah Yeah. i don't know even like in star wars like they have superpowers with the force but you don't think of them as like superheroes in the same way as like our comic book superheroes
0: right right
2: Mm.
0: well that was a fun exercise (laughs) thanks is there anything else, guys? Nope. I'm, I'm afraid to say point. anything
2: because it might like restart the podcast all over again like that <laughs> Diablo 3 discussion.